0: said god does nothing but by prayer and everything with it alexander white said every true advocate studies down to the bottom every case you put into his hands to plead and much will he study till he has mastered his own case before god every true advocate absolutely ransacks the records of the court also for all former cases in any way similar to this case he has in hand he puts the judge in remembrance of his own past opinions, and of all of his predecessors' past opinions and past judgments. Not only so, but a skillful advocate will study the varied temperament and mood of mind at the time, the age, and the very partialities and prejudices of the judge. So said is every adroit advocate on carrying his case, altogether you cannot but see what an advocate has when he became a man of prayer. The Apostle Paul penned his words, Prayer Without Ceasing, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. God simply answered Paul's prayer, My grace is sufficient for thee. And left Paul with his infirmity, he so desperately beseeched God to cure. God answers all of our prayers in his own and mysterious ways. His answers are always infinitely better for us and for his glory than our suggestions for answers that we often give him. God's purposes are not for us to know, until his time he chooses to reveal them. Not all of us are Paul's, but all of us can attain the prayer level where God can include us when he says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James 5.16 Realistically, Satan or his emissaries are close by to disrupt and frequently interfere with our concentration as we pray. We will suddenly remember many different things we think we need to get accomplished that day, or that we think are very important. Other distractions will occur. Guilt may well up upon us for something so long ago forgiven by God. Whatever the case, we need to not let that distract us but a moment before we dive back into our time of precious prayer with our Lord. It has been suggested as these random thoughts come into your mind to jot them down on a separate piece of paper because at the time you may think them very important. So lest you forget you keep thinking about them and cannot get back into prayer. So jot them down as quickly as possible if deemed important enough to do so and immediately get back into your prayer. You may find after your prayer time is concluded that most of the things that were made to seem so important as you were praying, when you look back on that list, are so trivial and unimportant it makes you wonder why they popped into your mind at all. Then you may find you have some tangible proof of the prince of the power of the air at work, putting these unimportant thoughts into your mind just to distract you from your fellowship with the King of Kings. Prayer is communication with God. It is a meditation or a mindset where one draws closer to God and focuses on God, while closing out all competing interferences during this time of talking with God. We should praise God and express our gratitude for His provision in our prayers. Prayer is a place where one should realize that God is not some abstract legend in some faraway place, But God is as real as we are and is as close as the air surrounding us. This is the reality of the omnipresence of God. He is everywhere. He is as close to you as he is to someone on the other side of the globe. He is in us, around us, with us, over us. God is everywhere near and everywhere watching over us. You can experience the reality of this nearness in sweet moments of prayer As you walk in your prayer garden with God alone, prayer is a tool by which a Christian can make requests to God. He can pray for personal needs or wants, and he can also pray for others' needs and others' wants. Too often, though, we are guilty of praying selfish prayers, prayers that are self-centered and prayers that neglect or forget others. The Bible warns us against this practice. When God has specially promised a thing, said Charles Finney, We are bound to believe we shall receive it when we pray for it. You have no right to put an if, and say, Lord, if it be thy will, give me thy Holy Spirit. This is to insult God to put an if in God's promise when God has put none there. It is tantamount to charging God with being insincere. It is like saying, O God, if thou art in earnest in making these promises, grant us the blessing we pray for. Every Christian needs to come to a full understanding of what God wants them to do as prayer warriors. We have interwoven the word prayer into our lives from the very moment we become Christians. Even non-Christians talk about prayer and say prayers. So what is meant exactly by the word prayer? Many Christians will say that prayer is asking things from God. But there must be more to prayer than just that. There must be more to prayer than just getting things from God. It cannot be just that. Prayer is a higher thing than just being the equivalent of a beggar knocking on a rich man's door. To help us grasp what prayer is and how powerful prayer can be, I'm going to read an account involving D.L. Moody and the tremendous impact of prayer. How it can change lives. How it can impact eternity. How it can get men to do things they are unconscious of. How God can work so many details out and cause so many events to happen. How it can work even from thousands of miles away and work to create the atmosphere conducive to the answering of that prayer over a period of years. This account is truly amazing, amazing example of prayer, how to pray, the attitude in prayer, the patience in prayer, and the almighty power we have access to as we pray. It was back in the early 70s, that is the 1870s, when Chicago had been laid in ashes. The building was not yet up far enough to do much, said Moody. So I thought I would slip across the water and learn what I could from the preachers there so as to do better work here. I had gone over to London and was running around after men there. Now he had not been speaking anywhere, he said, but listening to others. One day, Saturday at noon, he came into the meeting in Exeter Hall on the Strand, felt impelled to speak a little when the meeting was thrown open and did so. At the close, among others who greeted him, one man, a minister, asked him to come preach for him the next morning and the next evening, and Mr. Moody said he would. Moody said, I went to the morning service and found a large church full of people. When the time came, I began to speak to them. But it seemed the hardest talking ever I did. There was no response in their faces. They seemed as though carved out of stone or ice. And I was having a hard time, and I wished I wasn't there. And I wished I hadn't promised to speak again at night. But I had promised, and so I went. And at night, it was the same thing. House full, people outwardly respectful, but no interest, no response. As I was having a hard time again when about halfway through my talk there came a change. It seemed as though the windows of heaven had opened and a bit of breath blew down. The atmosphere of the building seemed to change. The people's faces changed. It impressed me so that when I finished speaking I gave the invitation for those who wanted to be Christians to rise. I thought there might be a few, and to my immense surprise the people got up in groups, pewfuls of people. I turned to the minister and said, What does this mean? And he said, I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, Mr. Moody said, they misunderstood me. I'll explain what I meant. So he announced an after-meeting in the room below, explaining who were invited, only those who wanted to be Christians, and putting pretty clearly what he understood them to mean, and dismissed the service. They went to the lower room, and the people came crowding, jamming in below, filling all available space, seats, aisles, standing room only. Mr. Moody talked again a few minutes and then asked those who would be Christians to rise. This time he knew he made them understand. He knew his meaning was clear. They got up in clumps, in groups, by the fifties. Mr. Moody said, I turned and said to the minister, What does this mean? He said, I am sure I don't know. Then the minister said to Mr. Moody, What I'll do with these people I don't know what to do with them. This is something new. And he said, well, I'd announce a meeting for tomorrow night and Tuesday night and see what comes of it. I'm going across the channel to Dublin. And he went, but he had barely stepped off the boat when a cablegram was handed him from the minister saying, come back at once, church packed. So he went back and stayed 10 days. And the result of that 10 days, as I recall Mr. Moody's words, was that four hundred were added to that church, and that every church nearby felt the impulse of those ten days. Now what was the explanation of that marvelous Sunday and the days following? It was not Mr. Moody's doing, though he was a leader whom God could and did mightily use. It was not the minister's doing, for he was as greatly surprised as the leader. There is some secret hidden beneath the surface of those ten days. With his usual keenness, Mr. Moody set himself about to figure it out. By and by, this incident came to him. A member of the church, a woman, had been taken sick some time before. Then she grew worse. Then the physician told her that she would not recover. That is, she would not die at once, so far as he could judge, but that she would be shut in her home for years. And she lay there trying to think what that meant, to be shut in for years. And she thought of her life and said, How little I've done for God, practically nothing, and now what can I do shut in here on my back? I can pray. May I put this word in here as a parenthesis to the story. With pain to himself, against his own first will for us, he allows us to be shut in. Because only so he can get our attention. From other things to what he wants done. To get us to see things and think things his way. I am compelled to think that is so. She said, I will pray. And she was led to pray for her church. Her sister, also a member of the church, lived with her and was her link with the outside world. Sundays after church service, a sick woman would ask, any special interest in church today? No, was the constant reply. Wednesday nights after prayer meetings, any special interest in the service tonight? There must have been. No, nothing new. Same old deacons made the same old prayers. But one Sunday noon, a sister came in from the service and asked, Who do you think preached today? I don't know who. Why, a stranger from America. A man who I think was called Moody. I think that was his name. And the sick woman's face turned a bit wider, and her eye looked half scared, and her lip trembled a bit, and she quietly said, I know what that means. There's something coming to the old church. Don't bring me any dinner. I must spend this afternoon in prayer. And so she did. And that night in the service, that startling change came. Then to Mr. Moody himself, he sought her out in her sick room. She told him how nearly two years before, there came into her hands a copy of a paper published in Chicago called The Watchman that contained a talk by Mr. Moody in one of the Chicago meetings. Farrell Hall meetings, I think. All she knew was that the talk made her heart burn. And there was the name Moody, and she was led to pray that God would send that man into her church in London, as simple as a prayer as that. And the months went by, and a year, and over, and still she prayed. Nobody knew of it but herself and God. No change seemed to come, still she prayed. And of course her prayer wrought its purpose. Every spirit-suggested prayer does. And that is the touchstone of true prayer and the spirit of god moved that man of god over to the seaboard and across the water and into london and into their church then he bid a bit of special siege prayer sort of lashed charge up the steep hill and that night the victory came do you not believe i believe without a doubt that some day when the night is gone and the morning light comes up and we know as we are known that we shall find that the largest single factor in that 10 days work In the changing of tens of thousands of lives under Mr. Moody's leadership is that woman in her praying. Not the only factor, mind you. Moody was a man of rare leadership and consecration, and hundreds of faithful ministers and others rallied to his support. But behind and beneath Moody and others, and to be reckoned with as first, was this woman's praying. Yet I do not know her name, I know Mr. Moody's name, but the name of this one in whom Humanly is the secret of it, all I do not know. It's a secret service. We do not know who the Great Ones are. R.A. Torrey said, God is just as ready to hear and answer you as he, was an- as he was to answer that bedridden saint. To whatever church you belong and whatever your pastor is, you can make him a man of power. If he is a man of power already, you can make him a man of even greater power. Prayer is one of those topics that seems as though it should be very simple, when in truth, there is so much to understand and learn about God and about prayer. We'll examine this very familiar word often as we continue in this series. Andrew Murray so succinctly wrote, The place and power of prayer in the Christian life is too little understood when we learn to regard it as the highest part of the work entrusted to us, the root and strength of all other work, we will see that there is nothing we need to study and practice more than the art of praying.